What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Look Good, Feel Good, Do Good. This is episode 15. If you know Caledonia, if you've heard of Caledonia, then you've probably heard of Sally Santora. Well, her actual name is Sarah Santora, but I've always known her as Sally, and she's a wonderful person who has been writing Caledonian News for the past 27 years, and she's been a part of the Caledonian School District for the past 18 years, and she's always been a an encouraging figure uh, around the community and within the school, and I don't know, she's just one of those people you can't say enough good things about, and uh, she never has a bad thought or a bad thing to say about anybody, and I wanted her to come in and, and take the time to sit down and talk to us a little bit about her history and how she got her start and to get her perspective on what it means to look good, feel good, and do good. So without further ado, I give you Miss Sarah Santora. So I just want to thank you for taking time to come and uh, hang out with me and talk to me about your history uh, with Caledonia and uh, you as just being a, an amazing person. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't you just give me the background on who you are and like what got you into where you are currently? Okay. Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me. This is really, really fun and very cool. Um, so anyway, my name is Sarah Santora, and a lot of people around here know me as Sally, so I better throw that out there right up, right straight up. <laughs> yep. Um, but I do prefer Sarah, which is my real name. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you're asking me about how I got involved in newspaper writing in the first place. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, because um, you mentioned that, well, in your your bio that you gave me, you mentioned that you didn't go on to further education, but you had written a lot in high school. Right. I had written a lot in high school, and um, the English teacher at that time was running a school newspaper at Caledonia, so I wrote for that. And I just overall enjoyed writing, and I guess, um, you know, English was always like my favorite subject. So fast forward, um, get out of high school, went to work, um, had a pretty decent job, but um, it must have been around the 1990, I think, late 80s, 1990, the publisher of the Caledonia Advertiser, Mr. and Mrs. Gerald Keith, they were 90 at least, if not 92 years old, wow. decided to finally <laughs> call it quits in Caledonia. They published the Caledonia Advertiser for many, many, many years, and their ancestors before them. So the paper was already 100 years old mm -hmm. at that point. They um, were looking for someone to take it over and just write some Caledonia news for the new publisher who was um, out of Geneseo. It was called Sanders Publications. She said, oh, just a few hours a week. So I thought, well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So I said yes, and that's how it all started, with just a few hours a week writing little stories about what took place in Caledonia in 1990. Was it a newspaper that got passed around from like door to door? It was by subscription only, okay. the Caledonia Advertiser. So, but everybody in this town, and your family will remember this, everybody got this paper. Okay. And um, 
every single issue of it came out once a week on Thursday. Every single edition of this paper is pretty much on file at the Big Springs Museum. Really? From back in the 30s and maybe prior to that even. They're all on file over there. <clears throat> so um, typical news might be uh, Corey Sisson entertained guests at his house on Main Street in Caledonia. Ten people attended and a good time was had by all. <laughs> that was news. <laughs> or That's the Caledonia funny. High School um, is, is hosting a pancake breakfast. I mean, that was news. So you can see why when they said, do you want to do this? I thought, well, this is pretty simple. I might even branch out to like real stories. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. That seems kind of silly, but that's it, funny. <laughs> that's, you'll have to sometime take a trip over yeah. to the museum and read some of those early uh, Caledonia advertisers. And that kind of stayed that way right up through um, the time when Mr. and Mrs. Keith who printed this paper also right on Main Street mm -hmm. in that Fieldstone building that's now the Giggling Pig, or was the Giggling Pig. They published it and printed it right there and mailed it out to the people that subscribed. And I think I remember it was $10, $12 a year maybe for this paper you paid. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so they finally retired in their early 90s and sold it to a man named Don Sanders, mm -hmm. who was uh, located in Geneseo, and he owned... A newspaper for every village. He owned the Avon Herald and now the Caledonia Advertiser and the Geneseo whatever and the Livonia whatever. Yeah. And so he, when they sold it, he kept me on and said, oh yeah, go ahead and keep writing Caledonia News. And uh, that's how we did it. Mr. Sanders, again, was very elderly, probably mm -hmm. in his mid-80s or older. Okay. So he kept all these papers for maybe four or five years and then he sold it to a man out of New York City. And he changed, he, he must probably thought we were Mickey Mouse newspapers, which we were at that time. Uh, he tried to make all kinds of changes that just didn't go with the readers. And therefore, it pretty much, it lost its circulation, all of the town's papers. Uh, in fact, he shut down one or two, I just don't remember which ones. Um, lost their circulation, so it ended up that a man from Geneseo from the Genesee Valley, mm -hmm. Livingston County area, purchased the whole business and his name was Corin Strong and he published a paper called the Lake and Valley Clarion. So he took me on as an employee and said I will give you three pages of my paper and it will be devoted just to Caledonia News. So we had three very large pages. Um, this was a full-size newspaper whereas the Caledonia Advertiser was more like a little newsletter. Yeah. So um, so I went on with him and worked for him for probably 10 years, and that paper was really popular over here. It was popular everywhere. When, when uh, was that? You think I would say it was probably um, mid-'90s, early-1990s to close to 2000. Yes, and then, or maybe even later, it might have been the early 2000s. Anyway, he then ceased publication because the Livingston County News had come into Livingston County. Mm -hmm. And that's the paper that exists today, and yeah. everybody pretty much knows it's a pretty, it's a, a pretty good-looking paper. So it was very hard to compete against mm -hmm. them. 
And um, so the Lake and Valley Clarion sold out to the Livingston County News, and they also said, do you want to keep your job? <laughs> so all in all, I think I've been writing Livingston County News 26 years. Wow. But how did how did you like stay motivated or inspired to keep writing, even though you kept getting like tossed around to different publications? Um, I'll tell you the truth. I've had many, many bouts of, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore, because you're on a weekly deadline, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I know this is probably going to sound maybe a little bit morbid, but back um, 24 years ago, 23 years ago, whatever it was, I lost both my parents within three months, and they were both very sick, and I was taking care of them. But I can remember them passing away, and I still had to go home and get my issue out to the publisher, because the newspapers don't stop. Yeah. So... It is, and then I had three kids and tried to raise kids, and it, it's just very stressful to be on a weekly deadline. But what has kept me going all these years, even on weeks when I say, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, is people. Mm -hmm. You get to meet people like yourself, because I got to come up here and do the story about how you got into wanting to be a barber, mm -hmm. and that was fascinating to me. So, honestly... I really feel like there's some kind of a divine intervention because every time I feel like I'm really, really done with this, some person makes a call to me or I meet them and I say, oh my goodness, I want to do a story about you. Yeah. And then when I get to meet them and talk to them, it's the most incredible story. And I'll say to myself, I would never have known this person if I didn't have this job. That's crazy. So It's almost like... Uh fate in a weird way it's fate in a weird way yeah. here's an example of it yesterday so saturday um and oftentimes you're you know you're just being directed by your publisher your editor on the fly so mm -hmm. he, he says to me oh my gosh it's february we don't have a black history story can you can you pull one off for me in the next couple of weeks and i said yeah I'll think of some angle something so that was friday or saturday yesterday sunday I decided to start by going up to the Big Springs Museum and, and looking at the African-American history exhibit that's up there and see if I could get a lead on a story. So I walk in, there's a woman pretty emotional in front of the exhibit. And so I waited a few moments and then I, I did the rude thing and I said, I'm really sorry, I just want to, I'm from the Livingston County newspaper and I want to ask you. You seem pretty emotional about looking at the exhibit. Do you mind talking to me? She says, I would love to talk to you. Two hours later, I had my story. She's from Rochester. Her grandparents lived out here and worked as migrants on a local farm here. Her mom was white and her father was African-American. And that was taboo in those days. Yeah. And they married and had three children. And she told me the whole story of her life and how difficult it was being raised as a biracial person mm -hmm. in this area. And how the t her mom and dad's two families could never come to terms with it or accept it. And so her parents eventually divorced and she never saw her father again. Wow. So it was the most fascinating story. But she had come back here to trace her family's roots. And she gave me her whole story. And they, her roots come back to Caledonia? Her, her mom and dad are from here, yes. Wow. Um, but again, her mother was white and her father was black, and it was just taboo. Yeah. And so her lifetime of troubles she told me about, her challenges being half black and half white, and 
people telling her her whole life as a child growing up, you have to choose, you have to decide, are you a white girl or are you a black girl? Yeah. And she told me all about that. We stayed two hours in the museum. Wow. And you didn't go there with, with the, no. the intention of writing a story. I'm like, I've got to come up with some kind of a lead about it. I've got to find something in this museum that would help me. And there she was. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So I came home and said, well, there I go again. Every time I think... Oh my gosh, that's not what I feel like doing on Sunday. I, I end up meeting an amazing person who tells me an amazing story. That's amazing. Well, other than writing, how did you get your start at the school? Okay, so that's another pretty funny story. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe it's not fate. I'm not sure. So um, on State Street, right up from your shop here, um, it's a vacant building now, but it used to be Daffy's Pizza. Mm -hmm. And they had started selling ice cream. So it was a hot summer night, and I went up to get myself an ice cream, and Mrs. Brown and her husband and kids were there. And she said, we were chatting, and she said, uh, are you still working for the paper? I said, yes, yeah, just part-time, but I probably should start looking for something full-time. And she said, great. Fill out an application. Do you want to come to work for me at the school? I need somebody to help me. They're going to start putting in a lot of computers, and I need help. And I said, oh, my goodness, I don't know anything about computers. And she said, I'll teach you. Hmm. And so I put the application <laughs> in, and I started in August of 1998, so 18 years ago, 19 years ago this August. Wow. And when I started, I think we had maybe eight computers district-wide. There were a couple of old apples and a computer lab that kids were mm -hmm. learning DOS on. There wasn't even Windows yet. Yeah, MS-DOS. <laughs> and um, there might have been a couple of uh, Apple word processors in the offices, and that was about it. Today we have over four or 500 computers. We have over four or 500 one-to-one -one devices, tablets and iPads in the hands of kids. So, yeah, we have, you know... And you have smart boards and we have right active yeah. boards and smart boards and yeah all the fire systems are run by computers all the doors are programmed off a computer lights are all run by a computer it's got to be very uh, I don't know weird but cool to see everything change from typewriters all the way yes. up to where we are now yeah. yeah the explosion of technology especially as it pertains to education. I mean, to, even when you were in school, you probably learned Microsoft Office so that you could mm -hmm. type your research papers in Microsoft Word and save them, but then you didn't have them at home because they were saved on the server at school. Yeah, yeah. Well, now everything is Google Docs. Yeah. So it's with you. I wouldn't live right now without, without Google Share and Google Drives and stuff like that. Right. Like it's everything. So, so it's everything, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's funny. I remember taking Mrs. Brown's keyboarding class I don't remember what grade it was, yes. but where we would do like those little challenges to see how fast you could type. And, yep. Uh, that was and if you remember, they were these yeah. like little portable keyboards, and then we had to plug them into a main computer, and it would move your your um, your session to a hard drive. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was easier now. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot easier. That's for sure. But how was it working? Like you said that you, uh, when you first started working there, you were working with mostly DOS computers. Yes. So what was it like working with that? It was hard to learn. When yeah. I think back on that and her being so confident in me, oh, don't worry, I'll teach you. 
Ah, uh, you know, everything was by command prompt. Yeah, that was hard to learn. It wasn't very long, though, that the first Windows computers came to Kelmont School. Windows 95. 95, yeah. And I was very <laughs> attached to it. Because, mm -hmm. um, as you well know, with Microsoft, they like to keep coming out with new versions. Mm -hmm. but Windows 95 was, and 98 were really my very favorites. Mm -hmm. um, I probably gave up and surrendered to Microsoft somewhere after 2000, because after that, they just kept coming out with something new, and right. you just had to go to it. So... My laptop at home is uh, still Vista. Oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> and that wasn't a very good operating system. No, it's terrible. XP but... came after that, and XP was really good. Yep. Then they came out with like 8 and 10. I don't even know what they have now. Yeah, we're up to Windows 10 right now. Are we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, w I probably wouldn't have the first clue of like how it works uh. on there, but... My computer is pretty slow. I, I got that when I graduated high school. Yeah, see what I mean? Yeah. But how much do you really use it anymore? Just for editing, really. Right. Yeah. Right. So, basics. Right. Everything else I do right here on my tablet. That's right. Which is perfectly fine. Which is why kids at school today, each one of them come in and they have a tablet or mm -hmm. an iPad in their hand. And they carry that all day and take that. From the older kids can take them home. Um, but yeah, everybody lives and breathes by their device these days. So. It's a sad truth, but it's also extremely important with the way our society has become. Right. Yeah. You need it. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that um, we try to explain why <clears throat> the school has made this investment. Because we want students that are college and career ready they need to be able to exist and be successful in the 21st century. And to do that, you need to know technology and how to use it. Mm -hmm. So That's true. So you, But you also came out with uh, the first website for Colony, right? We did. Yeah. Um, I was uh, sitting there talking to Mrs. Brown saying, you know, you know this, um, wouldn't it be nice if we had like a school website and I remember saying to her, similar to Kelmum.com. I don't know if you remember Kelmum.com. Oh, I do. Yep. But it was just a homegrown website that um, Mel Keenan was the administrator and I was the content writer. So I mm -hmm. wrote everything for his website. Oh, you were there too? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a school website similar to that where we could talk about what kids do in school and what teachers are doing? And mm -hmm. She said, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen a school have a website that you could go over and talk to the superintendent about it. So I did. And he said the same thing. I've never heard of a school having a website. What would you put on it? I said, well, you know, things like our athletic schedules and what we're doing in our classes and just, you know, keep people informed about what we're doing down here. Right. And he said, well, I don't know. Let me, let me talk to, the, to some people and see if that's going to be okay. You have to be very careful. And I said, oh, yeah, I will. And so he agreed that we could give it a try, and, um, and so we did. And here we are. Now every school has a website, every college, every business. Yeah, and it's, like, not uncommon whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just, for me, coming from a, probably a different generation, it's, it seems normal to have a website because when we want to find out something about anything we right. go to the internet first exactly so if we want to go to a school we want to know about this school right if you so. want to know about a community you might move there or exactly you know i wonder if that school is going to run any musicals i might want to go to you go to their website exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that writing an article or just in general when you first started took up a lot of time throughout the course of like the week but like what is it like now in terms of time that it takes you to well produce? obviously technology has streamlined my job incredibly mm -hmm. I mean in the early days I did everything on a typewriter and you couldn't turn anything in with a typo so every time you made a mistake you had to get the, the correction fluid out and um, you know you had to hand type everything um, and I did all my own photos from the time I started so you would take photos you'd have to go to a photo lab once a week get them developed and then hope one or two <laughs> of them were good yeah um, and then cut them believe it or not because there was no mechanical digital cropping you'd have to cut them down to size and it was just a big job and then I had to physically drive everything to Geneseo to the publisher then stay there and help them they it was called layout with big sheets of paper and then they literally pasted the, the stuff on a on a page yeah and ran it through a print it was <laughs> it was archaic as we think about it now but so today all my writing is done um, you know, obviously digitally on a computer. I don't drive there. Everything is um, file sharing, uh, similar to like Google. Mm -hmm. um, or if you have to, you email. Um, or we can text things now. Um, I don't have to be physically there on production nights like I used to have to be physically in the office. Mm -hmm. I don't. We communicate through texting or whatever all night long. Do you like this picture? Which one do you want? Um, you know, fix this sentence, it doesn't really make sense, or can we cut this down, or late breaking, I need you to contact so-and-so for a story or for information. It can all be done, you know, electronically. In an instant. Yeah, in an yeah. instant, so. It's probably refreshing for you. Very. I'm not <laughs> driving around to a photo lab trying to find a place to develop my photos. And yeah. Yes. It's, it's really nice. You can Let's... take hundreds of photos, choose the one that you want. Yeah, it's great. Did you have um, any other setbacks other than just how how it was when you first started? I didn't really have setbacks. Now, I, I want to take that back. The, the only thing I remember in the early days that was somewhat of a challenge, and I say somewhat because not a huge stumbling block, but somewhat, is people in Caledonia were so reluctant to change because the only paper they had ever had here, newspaper, was the Caledonia Advertiser. Mm -hmm. So they were very reluctant to allow me to expand the type of coverage. I, I didn't, that was nice to hear about people having birthday parties at their homes and how many people attended, but I wanted to cover village board stories and I wanted to cover town board stories and I wanted to cover the budgets. And, what, and, and school budgets and um, who was arrested. I wanted to cover other things. People were somewhat reluctant to speak to me. It was kind of you had to tiptoe and you often had to beg because they would say, well, no. Or if I was at a village board meeting, they would literally say out loud, um, well, don't, let's not talk about that because she's here and she might write about it. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's it's like almost like I don't even know how to really give a response to that. That's just that's just weird and like unheard of now. 
Yeah, it's unheard of. But, you know, they were just so slow to change their ideas. Mm -hmm. And none of that stuff that went on in this community was ever publicized. Mm -hmm. And they kind of wanted to keep it that way, I think. So Keep everything hush-hush. Yeah, they just didn't appreciate yeah. me, you know, being, showing up and around. And so that's different now. Well, you were trying to bring innovation to a town that was reluctant to change. I wanted to, right. I yeah. wanted to open up their world so they could see what was going on. We had people in village government working very hard. We had people in town government working very hard. Mm -hmm. So, fire department, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Well, I think that you were a big part of the change in the way people may think in this town over the past 20 years? I'd like to think so. Yeah. We'd have to ask them to really know for sure, but I'd like to think well, so. Well, I mean, if you're, you're the direct link between Caledonia News and the community, I would say so. I mean, you have to be living here as well mm -hmm. and having it be my hometown and it being a small town where we all know one another. You definitely have to be sensitive when you are reporting something that is difficult. You know, you have to respect that there are going to be times people really wish you wouldn't tell that about their son or their daughter or their husband. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think I'm good at that. I think I'm really good at being sensitive to people and not exploiting them in any way. Mm -hmm. I think I'm really careful about that. Yeah or sensationalizing just to get the headline. I, I don't do that. I don't think I do anymore. Well, I mean, I've read hundreds of your pieces of work, so I think you do a great job, okay. <laughs> including you. my own article. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have at home, and then it's waiting to be put in a frame. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I really love to do. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, in Livingston County as a whole, fortunately, mm -hmm. we don't have quite the level of headlines on a daily basis that Rochester would have. So most of what we do write about is pleasant. Mm -hmm. Not always, as we well know, even the headline today of the two men missing on Canisius Lake. Right. So it's not always, but, um, but that's one of the nicest things about writing in Livingston County is that for the most part, it's really, it's nice and fun and you meet great people and mm -hmm. you're happy to tell that story. Yeah, which is good and encouraging and hopefully other people can recognize that Kelonia is a very positive and close-knit community. Right. Right. Um, so I wanted to kind of like change direction a little bit okay. to uh, the segment that I created that's regarding the, the title of the podcast of uh, Look Good, Feel Good, Do Good. And the first part was <clears throat> all about looking good and I guess in other terms would be like your self-image and how you project uh, how looking good like means to you. So I wanted to kind of just get your perspective of what you felt was uh, important to you in regards to your self-image. Well, I really do believe for me anyway, my self-image is based on how I feel, not physically, but emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. I really feel that the most beautiful person is someone who is kind and caring and can give of themselves. Someone that you get 
you meet them or you're around them and they just make you feel good mm -hmm. just being in their presence to me that's what looking good and feeling good is about for me is um doing the things that make me feel positive and and um hopeful I never, even even when I personally may be feeling down about something, and let's be honest, we all have those days or times even for that matter in our yeah. lives. I hope that when I go out to meet someone, I don't project that. Because mm -hmm. I don't see that that really does anyone any good. Mm -hmm. I think that, and I'm not saying stuff you're feeling, certainly by all means when you're talking about somebody that's struggling with something serious, I think they should seek counseling and help with that but I mean overall I try very hard to wake up in the morning and say you know what can I do to make this day good for me and good for other people yeah that's kind of the way I it's do. a great outlook on yeah. life yeah. yeah that's kind of what I do so for you self-image isn't always isn't necessarily about how you feel about yourself but more about what's what's inside the person that really matters it's true but yeah. in return that makes me feel good about myself yeah. I feel confident and mm -hmm. happy and solid and mm -hmm. um, hopeful and motivated through that something that I talked to my uh, one of my friends about was uh, like your, your body posture and just like that has a lot to do with the like the vibe that people pick up from you true so true. Uh, that plays a lot into uh, like what you were saying with like the emotions and the mm -hmm. the inner feelings that people might project on others. I think it does. Um, I I have had uh, family members, the females that were that had the the hunch. You know, they were hunchback when mm -hmm. they got older. So I'm so worried about that that I always am very um, careful about my posture when I walk. That I keep my shoulders up and back. And um, I think sometimes I have had people say kind of intimidating you know you're just like so confident you're, you kind of scare people and I go how could I possibly scare anyone right <laughs> I I'm just not a scary person but I agree with you I think that you know you, you going out the door in the morning you put your your chin up and your shoulders back and you're ready to take on the day mm -hmm. well it's a good approach <laughs> It works. I'm, yeah. Again, I'm not saying that every day is is beautiful and we and that I don't have tough days. I've had very tough days in my life, mm -hmm. very very serious struggles. Mm -hmm. But in those struggles, I tried very hard not to uh, bring everyone else down around me. Right. Go to work and act like you're you're still you. Try to find yeah. some positivity because there is some you're up mm -hmm. you're healthy and you're walking you have a job mm -hmm. so I think you can always try to find something positive and a reason to put a smile on your face and, yeah and, and when you meet people even if you're not having the best of days there's no reason to share it just that's my thought <laughs> mm -hmm. so just keep it to yourself mm -hmm. well it's good I like that uh, Another fun little question I have for you is like, what are your some of your non-negotiables before you leave your house in the morning? Oh, coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I make it the <laughs> night before with the auto, you know, the auto thing on the coffee maker. Mm -hmm. I have to have one cup of coffee before I leave for work in the morning. 
Um, <clears throat> trying to think if there's anything else that's truly a non-negotiable. Um, not really. It's get that coffee, get showered, dressed. Um, I try to do as much the night before mm -hmm. because, as I said, I like to be at school by 6.15 for my workout because yeah. that's not a non-negotiable, but I'll tell you this. It sure makes every day better if I if I do that first. Sets the tone for the day. Sets the tone for the yeah. day. I feel 100% better, and I'm able to handle the stresses of that job because they're very great. So once if I work out in the morning, I feel a lot better. Some days I can't get to it like today. Well, snow. The snow. Having to shovel <laughs> snow the driveway <laughs> just to get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took me 45 minutes, so I didn't get to work out, but... Typically, I do. So then, what would you say, like your routine is before you go to bed that gets you ready for the morning? Try to have my gym bag packed, my lunch for school packed, and my clothes picked out for the morning. Mm -hmm. That's I try, mm -hmm. but honestly, sometimes if the if my day is very long, like I've had a very difficult day at school, and oftentimes I don't get out after eight hours. Sometimes it's nine or ten. And then I may be right on my way out into Livingston County to my new story, wherever they're sending me. So I might not get home till 9 o'clock at night, let's say, Jeez. after having left yeah. at 6.15 in the morning. And I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes think, oh, I'll just do this in the morning. <laughs> or I don't know what I want to have for lunch tomorrow, tonight. I'll, I'll just think about that tomorrow. Yeah. But that always turns out to be a mistake because then... My alarm goes off at 4.45 in the morning. So I, I'm not going to lie on your podcast. I hit snooze once. <laughs> and so I try to be up by 5. And if I have to pack my lunch, get my clothes out, iron my clothes, pack my gym bag, I'm, I'm going to be late and stressed, and I don't like that. Right. So rushing in the morning is not, not good. Not good, no, yeah. Not good. But life throws you curveballs, and sometimes you can't control sometimes. what's going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes. sometimes. Luckily, it's not every day, though. Yes. It's yeah. not every Good planning makes for a smoother morning, for sure. Well, good. So, what are some things that make you feel good? Well, it probably sounds cliche, but people usually make me feel good. Mm -hmm. I really, really love being around people and meeting people, or just being around people. I love that. Um, my family in particular, but a sunny day does it for me. Yeah. A sunny day gives me so much energy and bounce in my step, and mentally I just feel on top of my game. A sunny day is good. I feel like that brightens everybody out, it too. It does. Yeah. Some people tell me recently, because we've discussed it a lot, because this has been a particularly gloomy winter, I think. Some people say it doesn't affect them at all. It does affect me. Mm -hmm. The gloominess definitely drains my energy levels, for sure. You're yawning at like yes, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Absolutely. Oh. So, sunny day. And lastly, I would have to say, um, there's two other things that really, music is really huge to me. Yeah. Really huge to me. Um, for example, this past weekend, I never had my television, I, I don't even, I have a big 50-incher that's not even plugged in. Um, <laughs> So TV and I are not big friends, but music is a constant. Mm -hmm. I, ha I love music and all kinds of music, and so music is a big deal to me, and it can really um, put me in a good mood.
Good. Well, what's what's an example of uh, something that you listen to like frequently more than others? Um, man, it's because I have a couple of top ones. Um, I'm a huge WDKX fan. Yeah. So 103.9 on the FM dial. Mm-hmm. It's the black station. It went on the air in 1977, and I was—I remember turning it on my little transistor radio, and I thought, <laughs> "This is really cool. I love this music." Um, and I've been a listener ever since. Mm-hmm. I really love WDKX. So I listen to a lot of that. I like—I um, do like a lot of um, hip hop and R&B. I can handle a little rap. I love <laughs> jazz. I love black gospel. I'm I'm a huge. I love church. I love my yeah. Bible. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I love um, worship music. But I really only like like black choirs. Really, that's what yeah. I love. Yeah, that's a lot I of love. energy there. A lot of energy yeah. there. Um, but recently, and when I say recently, like the last five or six years, I started to get into country. Yeah. Now, how crazy is that to go from WDKX to the country station? But I do like country. I like some of it. So I've been listening a little bit of that, too. So is it, you got any, like, favorites that pop out of Country? Yeah. Yeah. I like, um, I like Keith Urban. I love Kenny Chesney. I like, like most Garth, women do. Yes. I like <laughs> Garth Brooks. I like some old school. I like Alan yeah. Jackson and mm-hmm. George Strait. Yeah. Well, you're, you're new country to you, but old country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. That's yeah. good. It's nice to have a, a large variety of music to... Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, and then on the other flip side, I'm uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Jay-Z. And uh, <laughs> last night I was so excited, Chance, the rapper won on the Grammys. Yes, he did. He got three awards. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I'm all over the place with music. Well, that's, that's great. I didn't know you listened to that music. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. <I> that. <laughs> so... How would you say, I mean, you, you kind of touched on this already, but how would you say that you better yourself physically? Um, I, think, I think that I am like the majority of us. We finally have it through our thick skulls that we really have to do some physical exercise and working out to, to remain healthy. Mm-hmm. And I am, um, I don't even want to say my age, but my age is up there, so... For women my age... She looks good for her age. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they say that, you know, you have to start worrying about osteoporosis and falling and breaking a bone. So I'm going to fight that tooth and nail. So mm-hmm. um, about 10 years ago, I got into heavy weight training. Yeah. And I got hooked. I just absolutely love it. It's kind of like music for me. Like, I mm-hmm. really, really love... I, this is going to be sounding crazy, but as I'm going down that hall in the morning at school, and I have you know, my uh, water in my hand, I catch the aroma of the weight room, and that's it for me. That's like, I'm ready to roll. You sound like a natural gym rat. (laughs) I love it. So um, the feel of the iron, I I absolutely love it. Uh, Do you have like a favorite training day? Um, You know, I probably would have said a year ago, uh, upper body shoulders. I really like shoulders. Yeah. I don't ever want to be... You know, the woman with the little petite little arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a nice back, built up back. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, everybody loves leg day. I guess there's nothing like feeling like you put 125 pounds on your back and squat and come mm-hmm. back up and you go, wow, you know, that felt pretty good. 
I will try a little more. <laughs> so I, I don't I, I don't know if I have a favorite day. I just love it. I absolutely love it. Well, good. I can tell you're passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I really like it. I would tell any woman, you know, because here's the thing. I'm really horrible at everything else. Everything else, like I can't do. I tried running; I was terrible. Mm -hmm. I tried jazzercise; I have no coordination. Um, Zumba; I tripped and fell. <laughs> Yoga; I'm bored with it. So I was at the point where, what am I going to do? You know, the whole world is exercising. I need mm -hmm. to find something. And I first started out with Taibo, and I loved that. I, loved, I remember Taibo. <laughs> I loved Taibo. Don't tell him, go. Yeah, I, kickboxing, that sort of thing. I would, love, I would love to try boxing, but I don't want to get my noggin hit. I'm not real keen on getting my jaw. Mm -hmm. But I think I would love boxing. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's kind of like what I talked about um, in the podcast that I recorded this morning. It was about like finding that one thing that, that kind of like gets you hooked and something that you remain consistent with. It doesn't have to be like a one size fits all. It just this has is to so be. True. Yeah, it just has to be something yes. that you will continuously do. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Mm -hmm. um, and I just had to find it, and mm -hmm. I was getting worried that I wasn't going to be able to find it because I I just didn't like anything. I mean, we've all seen Mrs. Antinor that uh, her husband was the barber that retired from Avon at 92 or three years old. Mm -hmm. She walks. Five, three to five miles a day. And she's 91, I think she told me. That's crazy. And I asked her if she'd ever, she was another one of my stories that was just so intriguing. I asked her, do you ever, have you ever missed? And she looked at me and she said, I think I missed on the day of the ice storm in 1991. <laughs> she walks every day three to five miles. Wow. Because she says it makes her feel good. So I think that's the key is you find something and you don't have to do it every day if you can exercise three mm -hmm. you know, Well, whatever works best times. for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> the ice storm. Yeah, she missed that. Day. She only she missed because of the weather. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, what would you say uh, is your footprint on society? Wow. <clears throat> Again, I think we'd have to ask society, but I hope I can tell you what I would hope it would be. Mm -hmm. I hope that people will say she was helpful and cheerful, and she was always willing to help someone. I hope that's what people would remember about me, because mm -hmm. um, I am. Which takes us back to what we said in the beginning, that I might not be real good at saying no when I should, but I always say if it's possible, if it's feasible, and it isn't going to cause me great pains, why mm -hmm. wouldn't I help somebody? Yeah. Well, if you, like you mentioned earlier, like, like your message, that you feel that your message is just to help people, then you're going to take on whatever task might come at hand as long as it's something that is within grasp and mm -hmm. able to do, you know? If I'm able to do it, I'm yeah. going to do it. I just want to read something that <clears throat> you wrote that I thought was really cool. If I can find it in here. Right here. I asked you, uh, I don't even remember what I asked you, but it's something along the lines of, like, what do you feel like your purpose is in this life? And, I, and you wrote that, uh, I absolutely believe that I am doing what I was meant to do in this life, right, meet people, introduce them to the area, and just overall help people. Yeah, I do feel 
feel like that. And like I said, every time I felt like maybe I need to be done with writing, I, I will come face to face with someone like what happened yesterday, mm -hmm. that I would never have been able to tell her story if I hadn't just walked in there into the museum um, just to look around. So I, I really believe I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, good. I mean, like, I, I, I've always said that everything happens for a reason, and if these things keep happening to you, it just it makes it seem truer that... It reinforces yeah. it that, yeah, I need to be doing this. And there mm -hmm. will come a day, I mean, I've been doing it for 26 years, there will come a day when I won't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think even when I'm not writing for the Livingston County News anymore, I think I will always be the person that's out there that meets somebody that I will say, you need to tell your story. Right. You know, I know somebody over at the and Livingston County News. you'll point them in the right News. direction. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Or you'll be on Facebook posting stories yes. on your statuses. Yeah. yeah, who knows? Like, <laughs> that's just it. You know, maybe a blog is in my future. Yeah. I don't know. Is there something that you're not doing that you wish or you would like to start doing? There's a couple things. Just because of being so busy with working two jobs, um, I don't get to read very much. Mm -hmm. And I love to read. But I haven't read a book in 20 years. Wow. I read <laughs> shorter things like, that. you know, I'm always reading. I'm the kind of person that is walking around the house reading something while I'm multitasking something else. Mm -hmm. I love to read. But I haven't been able to read a book in a long time. Um, I don't have the time for it. And quite honestly, after I, I, I do, I'm in technology and communications at school, so eight, nine hours a day, I'm writing words or communicating words to somebody. Then I go home and sit down and write two or 3,000 words a week for the LCN. I'm worded out. I can't do any more <laughs> You don't want to look at words, yeah. yeah. So I would like to be able to do things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like more time with friends. I don't get any spare time to, to be with friends. Very, very rarely. So yeah. I'd like to do more of that. Well, hopefully in the near future, there will be time for both of those things to happen. I hope so. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't know if I ever mentioned to you when, when, you when I emailed you, but I'm toying with the idea. I'd like to serve my community. I'd like to maybe think about village board or town board. Right now I do, I'm um, a board member for Genesee Valley Emergency Medical, which is Caledonia Ambulance. I've been on the board for five years. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. Uh, it's been a great learning experience to uh, understand how emergency medical services are delivered here and how critical it is that we have one here. Um, and most people think that Caledonia Ambulance GVEMS receives tax dollars to fund it. We do not. Mm -hmm. We are. Um, we receive no tax dollars at all. So um, memorial drives or when we stand out here at the monument with the boot drive asking for donations, that's how we're funded. Yeah. So, but where would we be when you dial nine one one if they weren't here? Right. So, right. So that's one of the reasons I'm on that board. But mm -hmm. um, maybe someday I'm toying with the idea of expanding that to maybe a village board run. Very would like to. Um, I would like to help my community more directly. Mm -hmm. uh, in my newspaper work, I sit through village board meetings for the last 20 years. So you might as well be a part of it, right? And write about it. And <laughs> town board meetings and write about it. But I'd like to actually be able to have a vote and do something about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I want to, at, at some point in my life, I want to uh, 
get involved more in the community and mm -hmm. do something like that too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know if it, how how big it ages in the factor, but I think I'll probably wait a couple of years before I, I get involved. Yeah, but I think that's great as a young person. I think mm -hmm. that's what village boards and town boards need. They need youth and we innovation. Do. We do, because we need a well-rounded perspective brought to the board mm -hmm. um, for a community. If, if a community is to survive and thrive and continue, we have to have the young perspective. Mm -hmm. We have to. So I think that would be great. You'd be great at it. I'd like to think so. <laughs> and there aren't a lot of people that are willing to give the time mm -hmm. to serve on these boards, which is the other reason why I'm really giving it a serious thought, because I think it's a privilege. Yeah, it really is. Well, I have one more question for you, okay. and I think it's the, the no-brainer question. How did you get the nickname Sally? <laughs> well, it's easy. When I was born, and I was named Sarah Marie, um, I was named after a grandmother and an aunt with the mm -hmm. same name of Sarah. And as it was told to me, my mother just called me Sally, I think just after my aunt, who was, her name was Sarah, but they called her Sally. So I think that's how it came about. But, I mean, back even when I was a little girl going to school, and I can remember, you know, you wouldn't, you're way too young for this, but on the first day of school, they went through roll call where mm -hmm. they would you know say everyone's name in the class and you had to say present or here and um, they would say you know Sarah Samus and I wasn't sure if that was me because my parents had always called me Sally <laughs> actually my dad always called me Sarah it was my mother in law so but um, so here's the long and short of why I yeah. had to stick to it so after 9-11 you know after the Twin Towers accident and the terror attack um, our country became very strict about identities and you had to prove your identity. For example, if you went in a store and you charged something and you used your charge card, they would ask you for your license just to be sure because they were really starting to buckle down on identity. So I would sign my name, Sally Santora, and then they'd ask me for my license to prove it and my license and my social security card said Sarah. So, Sarah yeah. so I ended up they more times than not they would say well let me call the store manager because there's something wrong here. So I finally said you know what I need to use my name. Um, you're, you know and, and we still are in the midst of that where identity is very protected today. Mm -hmm. You have to be very careful. Your signature and everything. So I, I just decided maybe about 10 years ago, I have to use my name. And so that's, that's how I went back to Sarah. But you can call me, you always call me Sally, and I, it's fine. This is, I always thought your name was Sally. Yeah, it's fine, because a lot of people in Caledonia do. But yeah. um, at school and that, they call me Sarah. So I'll answer to anything, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I know the true story, maybe I'll switch over to Sarah. It's up to you. <laughs> cool. Well... Uh, that's all the questions I had for you. So well, I, just... I have one for you. Well, yeah, go ahead. And I asked you this before. What gives you this passion for barbering? Because it's really not just, I've noticed this now about you. Mm -hmm. It's not just doing hair. It's you want to know the whole person. You want to know, that's why <laughs> I'm sitting here today. Yeah. You want to know about people and what makes them tick. Yeah. How come? I honestly don't know. I think, I think I'm still trying to figure that out, but... Um, well, barbering just in general, that, that came about because of my passion for 
like fitness and consumption of knowledge. In school, I was really into like fitness. I was really into just like learning as much as I could, and then I would read and read and read, and then I started reading style blogs. And I started reading things about fashion, and then I started looking at like hair trends, and it just started spiraling from there. And I was like, I want to get involved in this, so barbering was the the path I had chosen, and I don't know, like when I first started. Like they tell you that when you start to uh, work with people in your chair, you can't just sit there and do the haircut. Like you need to have a conversation with them. You need to talk to them uh, a little bit about who they are as a person, a little bit about their hair, so that you can teach them about their hair at the same time. And like this was a big learning curve for me because for multitasking with me, it's it's hard, but. Sometimes I'll zone in on what I'm doing, and sometimes I'll just start talking to them and get lost in the conversation. And I found that more often than not, I was getting more lost in the conversation with them than I was about like talking to them about their hair. And just client after client, I would just start with the basics of like, what's your name, where you're from, what do you do, things like that. And then I would just start to learn about their family, their friends, like their loved ones they've lost, like cool stories. And I don't know, it just it just kept happening with more and more people just telling me more and more like interesting, fascinating stories and then I wanted to create kind of like a, a podcast off of that. But not just with the people that I had in my chair, but with just people in general because I'm just fascinated by uh, everybody because I think everybody has a certain purpose in this, this life and I think that we can learn a lot from everyone. So you see, you're doing, you had just said, those words could have come out of my mouth. Yeah. It's the same thing. We're in this for the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're relaying people's stories through your podcast. I'm relaying people's story through the written word. Mm -hmm. And probably very soon, the actual physical newspaper will begin to fade away even in our little County because people are getting their information digitally, but we're doing the same thing and mm -hmm. pretty much for the same reasons. You like people. Yeah. You like that story. You love hearing that story. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, as I was saying, I was like, wow, she probably thinks that I sound like her. <laughs> you copied me. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's and I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed all the people you've interviewed. Mm -hmm. I would have picked them for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. They're interesting. They have a story to tell. Yeah. And I like hearing it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I'm still trying to chase after, but... Keep going. I'm gonna. Good. <laughs> Maybe I'll send you a few from the people that I come in contact with. I may send your way. Yeah, do that. So I, I just love talking to people. Mm -hmm. Couch talk. There you go. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Thank you. It was yeah. so so fun to talk to you. It was yeah. from the first time I talked with you mm -hmm. for your story about C.S. Barber. I was, I just thought, what a great young man. You're so creative, and you're so impassioned by life. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And good luck to you with this. I know this is going to keep going and going, and it's going to be great. Yeah, I have. I, I wrote down one of my goals to to record 52 podcasts this year, and this is, I think this is episode 15, so Good. we're well on our way here. Yeah, great.
Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, as always, uh, I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because I love reading about your stories and it motivates me to do the stuff that I do. Good. So yeah, we I motivate each that. other really. Yeah. So I I enjoy the podcast too, but again, I can see why you're why you would enjoy this because it is. It's so refreshing to hear somebody tell their story. Mm -hmm. It's real inspiring. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. We both see the same Sounds thing. Sounds like so it. Sounds cool. like it. Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, this was episode 15. This is Look Good, Feel Good, Do Good featuring Miss Sarah Santora. And until next time, guys, take care. <laughs>